Welcome to Church at the Well podcast. Thank you for joining us. Buenos dias. Um, we're going to be on Jeremiah chapter 31, 31 to 34. He aquí que vienen días, dice Jehová, en los cuales haré nuevo pacto con la casa de Israel y con la casa de Judá. No como el pacto que hice con sus padres el día que tomé su mano para sacarlos de la tierra de Egipto, porque ellos invalidaron mi pacto, aunque fui yo un marido para ellos, dice Jehová. Pero este es el pacto que haré con la casa de Israel después de aquellos días, dice Jehová. Daré mi ley en su mente y la escribiré en su corazón, y yo seré a ellos por Dios, y ellos me serán por pueblo. Y no enseñará más ninguno a su prójimo, a su prójimo ni ninguno a su hermano, diciendo, Conoce a Jehová, porque todos me, conocerá, me conocerán desde el más pequeño de ellos hasta el más grande. Dice Jehová, porque perdonaré la maldad de ellos y no me acordaré más de su pecado. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, thank you uh, just for this uh, beautiful word. I thank you for um, just uh, having people reading in their heart language, God. Uh, thank you for uh, just the uh, vast diversity of people that you've created. Um, and I pray that as um, we dig into Jeremiah today, um, that you'll just speak boldly uh, through me. Let your word um, uh, speak powerfully. Uh, and open our ears and uh, minds and hearts to what you have to say to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Good morning. Good morning. I am going to uh, read again in English. Uh, we have a lot of Spanish speakers and a lot of English speakers as well. So um, we're uh, taking a break from Titus today, and we're in Jeremiah 31, 34. So that passage is, uh, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with the fathers on the day when I took them by hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant they, that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is a covenant that I will make with them, the house of Israel, after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sins no more. So word of the Lord. Um, so we're taking a little break from Titus today. Um, we, we're doing this uh, series on blueprint and foundation. Uh, but over the next two weeks, you'll be hearing from um, me, Deacon Mike, and Deacon Ben, as we do kind of a two-part uh, series on the New Covenant and forgiveness, um, and then Ben will be doing a practical application of that from the New Testament next week. Um, so uh, just a little bit on my background before we dive in today. I'm a deacon here at Church at the Well. I uh, coordinate our small groups, so I uh, lead the small group leaders, and um, we'll actually have some more information about that at the end as we go through. And uh, I also have a passion just for anyone uh, new coming in and uh, helping them either get into a group or a starting point group, which is another um, 
class that we have for people who are newer to the faith or returning to the faith, uh, and it basically breaks down the gospel over eight weeks. We start with um, our, our sin that we've um, all committed against God and our need for a savior and how God began that redemptive process um, through Abraham and um, the law given through Moses in the Old Testament and then how that's completed through Jesus in the New Testament. Um, so a uh, little plug for both groups and, uh, and starting point from me this morning. Um, and as we uh, you know, look at God's word, um, and starting point is, is really high level, and I think for anyone uh, coming uh, into their faith and wanting to understand God more, you'd need to really systematically approach how you read the Bible, and that's uh, what I'm going to attempt to uh, preview today and uh, hopefully inspire some of you to, uh, um, to study as well uh, and want to grow in, in the way that you study the word. Um, so, I came to faith about eight years ago, a little over eight years ago, um, in my mid-twenties, and shortly afterward, I met my wife, uh, Floor, and uh, she had grown up in the church, so I uh, had almost like this obsessive compulsion to read and learn as much as I could over the year before that um, our wedding was planned um, so over that year, I, you know, it was actually less than a year, I committed to um, reading the entire Bible because I felt like as uh, the spiritual leader of my family and um, hopefully, uh, well, my wife and then hopefully one day my family, uh, this was something that I wanted to, to bring and it was really important to Flora as well as we discussed um, these uh, things before, uh, before our wedding. And I think a lot of people will say, you know, especially with the New Year's resolution or whatever it may be, if you start in January at the beginning of the Bible with Genesis, like Genesis is great, you go through Exodus, and then um, you get to Leviticus and you like hit the wall. Um, but that actually wasn't the case for me. So I <laughs> actually found that, you know, getting through the first uh, five books of the Bible was, you know, fairly reasonable. That's a Pentateuch. And then, uh, you know, even through Joshua and Samuel. Uh, but when I get to um, Kings and uh, Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Isaiah and all the prophets, the minor prophets, that, that was where I, I was struggling a bit with how does this all actually piece together and, you know, what's the order of this? And I think, um, you know, for anyone kind of walking, um, walking through some of those uh, verses, there, there is some powerful um, theology, uh, understanding of God that you can glean from those passages, but you have to know um, where you're going. And so that's, you know, to me, the importance of, speaks to the importance of surrounding yourselves with those small groups and community of Christ followers who are more mature than you that can, um, that can show you um, that path and, and lead you to, um, you know, resources where you can learn more and, and grow in your study. And um, again, that's a little bit of what we're going to dive into today is some of that historical context with uh, some of the last kings of Judah and the prophets that uh, were speaking God's truth during that time. So hopefully uh, as you, um, as we go through this journey together this morning, you'll, uh, you know, one, be convicted of what you need to hear, 
this morning from the Spirit. Um, and I also hope that you're inspired to grow in your knowledge of God's Word, no matter you know, where that um, is for you today. Um, it could be studying the Bible for years and years and decades, or it could be um, you know, you're diving in uh, to God's Word for the very first time in, in some cases. So um, no matter where you are on, on your journey, hopefully um, this inspires you to learn more. Uh, so, one of the uh, tools that I found very helpful, uh, as I mentioned, you know, you can read the Bible cover to cover, uh, but uh, when you get to some of the uh, passages, especially around kings and the prophets, it's hard to understand the um, context that the, the prophets are speaking in, you know, what was actually going on with the people in Israel and Judah um, when the prophets were speaking God's truth. Uh, so one of the tools that I found very helpful is a chronological Bible. Um, if uh, you don't have one, I think it's a very valuable <laughs> investment to make because um, you'll see uh, some of the parallels in um, different accounts in different books of the Bibles, and you'll see um, the times when the prophets were speaking. And especially a book like Jeremiah, uh, where the passage comes from that we're studying today, uh, Jeremiah is a crazy sporadic book. It's very reflective of the time that, uh, that Jeremiah uh, spoke God's word. In truth, it was um, a time of uh, political upheaval in the entire known world, and, uh, and it impacted Jerusalem, Judea, um, and, uh, and you know, all of the surrounding region. Um, so, uh, Jeremiah is not written in a linear chronological order. It's, it literally jumps from passage to passage. And, you know, it, it's probably reflective of where Jeremiah was as he's recording his account. You know, there's some narrative background. There's, um, there's some uh, poetic uh, prophecy. And then, you know, you jump back to a different time and jump forward. And, um, and having a chronological Bible actually helps you uh, piece some of those, um, those things together. Uh, so this time that uh, Jeremiah was active was about 627 uh, B.C. to 586 uh, B.C. And over this 40 to 50 year uh, period in Jerusalem, it was one of the most tumultuous times in the world, as I mentioned. Um, the uh, Assyrians had been in power uh, from uh, basically Persia, uh, modern day Iran, Iraq, through uh, Turkey, um, like over the known world for a very long time, over 200 years. So that's, you know, like the history of the United States for some context, right? It's hard for us to imagine anyone ruling from New York to California besides um, the United States, the, um, America, right? And so that was the uh, Assyrian Empire in the ancient Near East. Um, Assyria ruled forever. It was they were a known entity. Um, they, you know, were brutal um, in some instances. Um, in 722 BC, uh, a little before the time period that we're going to discuss today, um, they actually um, invaded Samaria, the uh, kingdom of Israel, and um, and deported or exiled uh, the Israelites from the uh, the northern kingdom. Um, and like I said, for the most part, though, you know, you knew what to expect from the Assyrians. Um, and then around the time period that uh, Jeremiah was called uh, by God to his ministry, um, 
in uh, 627 BC, um, the Babylonians began to um, become more of a power, and uh, starting from the east in, in Babylonia, um, and then uh, they they worked their way west uh, to Nineveh in 612 BC. So Nineveh, um, we're probably familiar with it from the story um, where the book of Jonah, uh, Jonah was sent by God to go to Nineveh. Um, he uh, disobeys God, goes the opposite direction of Nineveh. God sends a storm. This uh, sailors throw Jonah over the boat. Uh, God sends a fish to swallow Jonah. Fish spits Jonah up on the sea, and then Jonah goes to Nineveh. Nineveh repents at that time, and God spares Nineveh. Um, however, uh, when Nahum uh, is preaching around this time, um, a bit later, probably um, 100 plus years later, um, he's preaching about Assyria's destruction and fall in, in Nineveh. And in 612 BC, the Babylonians um, take over Nineveh as they began to spread uh, through what was the former Assyrian Empire. So in a picture, um, you know, some new entities come into the U.S., they've taken over New York, they're getting through Chicago, and they're headed to um, California, which is, you know, f for our context here, the Jerusalem um, on the West Coast. <laughs> um, so, you know, you can probably see what's coming. There's uh, uncertainty <laughs> about what's coming th this way, and, uh, and this is, like I said, the time when, when Jeremiah uh, comes on the stage. And uh, when he's called by God, God says, um, to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And then the Lord said, alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak, I am too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say, I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See today, I appoint you over the nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. Uh, this has been a very encouraging passage uh, for me over the last several weeks preparing for this morning because I cannot tell you how many times I've said I can't do this. I, th this there's too much going on. You just saw my wife reading on stage. She's uh, very pregnant, <laughs> uh, nine months pregnant, and uh, it's just... It's been a lot, you know, coming out of um, or living with COVID, whatever we're calling it now, um, and coming out of the season that we've been through and uh, the busyness that we're in now. It's it's been an overwhelming time period to say the least, and uh, and to just come back to these words and realize more and more that it doesn't depend on me and what I can do. Um, it's all the material, as I think Pastor Matt says quite a bit uh, when he's preaching, all the material's right here. We don't have to um, reinvent anything. God's, God's given us his word and his truth to speak. And uh, that's you know, basically what's given me the confidence to come before you all today. And 
just praise God for his word to Jeremiah um, over 2,600 years ago and how it's still relevant and hits our hearts today. Um, so when you um, read that last verse that I read, it's uh, Jeremiah 1.10. So today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. So it's like, what's, what's happening here? How did, we, how did we get to this stage with the kings um, in Judah to the point where God's ready to rip them up and overthrow them and, um, and exile them uh, to, to Babylon? Uh, so have to go back <laughs> in time, about 700 years before this, um, to the law that was given um, to the Israelite people, uh, God's people from Moses. Um, so God uh, gave the Ten Commandments, which uh, we're probably familiar with as well, right? He said, I am the Lord your God. I brought you out of Egypt, out of slavery. You'll have no other gods before me. You shall not make an image um, for anything. You shall not uh, take the Lord's name in vain. You'll keep the Sabbath. You'll honor your uh, father and mother. You shall not murder, commit adultery, steal. Uh, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. You shall not desire anything in your neighbor's um, house, his land, his servants, his ox, donkey, anything that belongs to your neighbor. You shall not covet, right? And then there's a bunch of other uh, rules, rules, rules. Um, I think in my son's version of the Bible, like it's just a list of rules, right, that goes on. And uh, and then there's uh, blessings for obedience to these rules, right? Um, if the Israelites keep the blessings, then they'll prosper in the land. And if they're disobedient, they'll be cursed in the city, cursed in the country. Um, the basket and trout they're uh, needing trout will be cursed. The fruit of their womb will be cursed. The land um, will be cursed when they come in, cursed when they go out, and eventually um, exiled from the land too. And uh, through the history of um, the Israelites go uh, forward in time about 300 years. You have King David, who uh, a lot of us are, are probably familiar with too, the uh, second king of, uh, of Israel who um, really expands the kingdom. And then uh, his son Solomon builds a temple. And then after that, things start to go a little wonky, right? So the uh, uh, kings of, uh, the, the kingdom splits between the northern kingdom and southern kingdom, um, Solomon's son. Uh, doesn't listen to his advisors, and, um, and we start to see this pattern of uh, mostly evil kings in the north, and uh, can kind of flip a coin um, in the south if you're gonna have a good king or an evil king, and uh, we'll see uh, a case in point of that in just a moment. But over that you know, next 200 years or so till we get to um, the exile of the Israelites, you have um, these good and evil kings, um, Israel, uh, the Israelites in the kingdom of the uh, northern kingdom eventually face God's wrath and, and are exiled by the Assyrians. And, um, and then we get to Jeremiah's time and Jeremiah is preaching to um, the Judeans in the southern kingdom to basically repent, turn back to God. Like, this is your last chance. <laughs> Things are getting really bad. The Babylonians are coming. Um, and... Uh, and God basically tells Jeremiah here he's going to uproot, uh, tear down, destroy, and overthrow. Um, and this is really the result of the sin of, of Judah and the prior king um, just before uh, well, the generations of, of Israelites who have sinned, but especially uh, Manasseh, who we read about 
um, just prior to uh, Jeremiah's time. Manasseh ruled in Judah um, in uh, 687 BC. Uh, he was 12 years old when he became king, and he was the most evil king <laughs> in all of Judah. Um, says uh, he rebuilt uh, the high places and uh, basically erected altars to other gods. Um, in the temple, he bowed down to all the starry hosts and worshiped them. This is uh, 2 Kings 21, by the way. He built altars in the temple of the Lord, of which the Lord has said, in Jerusalem, I will put my name. Um, in 2 Court, uh, he sacrificed his own son in the fire, practiced divination, sought omens, consulted mediums and spiritists, and he did much evil in the eyes of the Lord, arousing anger. Um, and then uh, in 2 Kings 21:16. Read, moreover, Manasseh also shed so much innocent blood that he filled Jerusalem from end to end, besides the sin that he had caused Judah to commit, so that they did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Uh, so the, uh, if you look uh, again in the chronological border, there's uh, Bible, there's um, no mention of any prophets during this time. And it's likely because their blood was spilled from Jerusalem end to end. Uh, Manasseh was an evil, evil king. And then we see his son Ammon rules for two years, does evil in the eyes of the Lord. And then Josiah, um, his uh, grandson, uh, becomes king. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. So um, again, this is kind of an example of that flip-flop that you see uh, with the kings of Judah. And, um, and Josiah actually, uh, you know, goes... Uh, as far as to set reforms, he tears down uh, the, the altars to idols uh, in the temple. Uh, they actually find what was likely the book of Deuteronomy and begin reading God's law again, coming back to his word, repenting. Um, but it's, uh, you know, at, at this point, the people are so far gone and it's likely, you know, it wasn't <laughs> enough. And, uh, and God holds true to his word, right? Um, the people of Israel were disobedient, and they will be cursed for the sin that um, they had under the first covenant that God gave them, which was, uh, again, the Ten Commandments and the law given through Moses. Um, and Jeremiah's name actually means Yahweh throws, so uh, it's <laughs> not looking good even uh, if they do repent. So Jeremiah's given a really hard job, needless to say. Um, he warns Judah and the people of Judah over and over again. They reject him. Um, he warns them of the invasion coming from the north. So uh, if you look at you know, where um, Israel is on a map, there's really only Egypt from the south, and all the other enemies come from the north. So um, these, this enemy, uh, in, this, in this case, is uh, uh, the Babylonian Empire. Uh, it's mentioned in 612, um, the uh, uh, Babylonians uh, overtake Nineveh, and then in 605, we have uh, one of the most significant time periods in probably all of world history uh, where the Babylonian Empire defeats uh, what's left of the Egyptian forces and the Assyrian forces in the Battle of Carchemish. Um, and that's uh, time roughly with Jeremiah 19 and 20. Um, again, Jeremiah is not in any linear <laughs> order, uh, but we see you know, the, Jeremiah preaching about um, 
the, uh, the clay jar that he buys from a potter, um, and the jar is shattered, uh, just as Israel will be, uh, or Judah will be shattered and, uh, and spread across the kingdom of Babylon. And then, um, this is just a, a really impactful time period, right, this 40 or 50 years, because we have the, the Battle of Carchemish, uh, big world history, um, but it's also, you know, this time period is only about 2% of the span of the, the Bible uh, time period, which is about 2,000 plus years, right? Um, but it's about 15% of the content, so you can take all my little pink tabs uh, so nicely organized here. It's a big chunk of the Bible, right? Um, so uh, we actually have to, and again, this is why it's helpful to have um, a chronological Bible, you go to 597 um, BC and, and Daniel, you see that uh, King Nebuchadnezzar of uh, Babylon has uh, besieged Jerusalem. So um, we have the first exile. There's still God's people in Jerusalem, but the, uh, the exile has started. Things are not looking good. And then in 586 BC, uh, we finally see the fall of Jerusalem, the destruction of the temple, um, and this is the second exile, it's the most significant one, uh, where most of God's people are deported to uh, Babylon and across the empire. We see in, um, in 2 Kings 25, uh, after four months of famine, uh, it was so severe, people had no food to eat. Um, and then, uh, like I said, the Babylonian uh, empire was a bit of an unknown entity. Uh, turns out they were um, just as brutal, if not more brutal. Uh, so they uh, captured King Zedekiah, who was ruling in Judah at the time of the fall of Jerusalem. And they killed Zedekiah's son before their eyes, uh, before his eyes, and then they gouged out Zedekiah's eyes. Uh, so the last thing that he sees is the death of his sons in front of him. So you don't need to, you know, watch Game of Thrones or House of the Dragon or whatever. You just need to read your Bible, especially Kings, and have uh, <laughs> all the goriness that you need. Um, and then uh, Lamentations is also written by Jeremiah, so we see this period of grief and uh, remorse that he has for the fall of his city. Um, and finally, um, we have the third exile where the governor, uh, Gedaliah, um, is murdered as well in Jerusalem, and the last of God's people are exiled. Uh, so, like I said, this is a, uh, a very uh, condensed time period, and a lot happens. You have uh, Daniel prophesying, Ezekiel uh, also prophesies during this time, uh, Nahum, and Jeremiah. Uh, so it is, um, I think, it just helps us as we think about how crazy things seem in our world today to, um, to have this reminder from God that, uh, that we've been through times like this before as his, uh, his people, um, and we're called to be obedient to him uh, through that, right? Um, and as, you know, Jeremiah is uh, preaching as well to um, the people and telling them to repent, to turn back to God, warning them of the invasions. Uh, we come to um, the passage that, um, that we are 
studying today, which is on the new covenant, right, and hope. And this is uh, right in the midst of all the chaos that's happening. Um, there's, uh, the city hasn't fallen yet. The Babylonians are, are coming in in stride. People, you know, don't know what's happening. Um, they know that uh, there's repercussions from God for disobeying. Uh, but what do we do now that we've disobeyed in the first uh, covenant? Uh, we haven't kept the law, so there's consequences for it, right? God has to be true to his uh, word. Um, and it's just like a trap, right? And it's in the midst of this that Jeremiah uh, preaches, Behold, the days are coming when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. So Israel's already gone. And, uh, and Jeremiah's uh, prophesying that he will, uh, that God will make a new covenant with his people. So the first covenant um, is basically done. It depended on God's people, as we see um, just a little bit later in that verse. We'll make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant I made with the fathers on the day when I took them by hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. So this covenant will be different than the first covenant, the, which is the, uh, the Mosaic law. My covenant that they broke, right? So that first covenant depended on God's people. They were given the law. They were told um, what they had to obey, what the rules were. We actually talked a lot about this over the past uh, year as um, we were studying Galatians and the... Uh, overcoming um, the law and ritual with the, the Israelites and God's people at that time and accepting grace. Um, but this is where we really see the first um, glimmer of, of, of hope in this time that there is something new coming. Um, and uh, like I said, this, the Israelites broke the first covenant. Um, so I continue in verse 32 though I was their husband, declares the Lord. Uh, the Old Testament is, is full of imagery uh, of this marriage that God has with his people. So we see it in uh, Hosea. Uh, I won't go into uh, much of that imagery here, but it's really bad what God's people do. And then we also see it um, in Jeremiah to a degree too. And, um, and we also read about it in, uh, in Malachi. So I'm going to go to uh, Malachi chapter 3. Wrong book, I had the right one. <laughs> um, verse 11. Malachi says, Judah has been faithless and abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves, and has married the daughter of a foreign god. May the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob any descendant of the man who does this, who brings an offering to the Lord of hosts. So we see even, um, you know, after the exile and uh, eventually God's people returned to Jerusalem in the time that Malachi is preaching. Even after that, um, the people of Judah um, are, you know, fallen to the same junk that they were 
and before 100 years, um, 100 years later, they're um, tying themselves to foreign gods. They're, and, and God says that it's like they're marrying that foreign god. They're um, committing adultery against him. Um, there's, again, just loaded with imagery, but it's, it's that infidelity um, that is just, um, you know, cannot be tolerated by God that we see. Um, so, despite all of this, God, in his goodness, still gives us a new way with the new covenant. Verse 33 says, This covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my law within them. Uh, some translations say in their mind or within all of us. Uh, and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Uh, I think, you know, when I uh, read that verse about having the law and the word um, in our, within us, within our minds, within our hearts, uh, the, uh, the verse that I go back to the most is Ephesians 2, uh, verses 19 to 22, where God talks about us being a holy temple, um, being built up um, for every good work. So let's uh, turn there to Ephesians chapter 2. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Uh, so the word is, is written in, in all of us now, right? Through Jesus' blood, through the new covenant that we're given. And as part of that, we're a dwelling place for God, right? Um, and together, we make the whole structure, uh, the holy temple in the Lord, and we're being built together, this dwelling place for the Spirit. Um, and, you know, to me, that's, that's that connection there. You know, what, because we can ask that, what does that mean to have the law written on our hearts and, um, and within us? And we have, you know, some more <laughs> details of that in the New Testament. So it's important as we're looking at some of these Old Testament promises too. Uh, it helps because we have some of the answers. I'm sure at the time that Jeremiah is prophesying this, right, people... Like, I don't know what that means, but it sounds really awesome. I have the law written on my heart. Um, but think about this, too. It's before uh, they had the gift of the Spirit, um, the Spirit of God being within them, the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and so we have that, that gift and understanding now. And uh, leads right into this next verse, uh, the last verse that we'll discuss today. No longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least uh, to the greatest, declares the Lord. So, uh, again, we're given the gift of the Spirit in our uh, present context today, right after uh, Jesus' death and resurrection um, and ascension to the throne of God. Um, he said, he sends his Spirit to us. Uh, we're given gifts through the Spirit. And, uh, we're given a direct relationship with God uh, through this new covenant. Uh, no longer uh, having to go through a high priest or um, animal sacrifice. God uh, has made 
the ultimate sacrifice through Jesus once and for all. Um, and we see that um, in Hebrews uh, verse 9:15 that God is the ultimate mediator, right? Uh, verse nine, uh, chapter nine, verse fifteen. Therefore, he is a mediator of the new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. So, Christ's death has redeemed us um, from all of the sin from the first covenant, from the law. We're um, accountable to that, what God has given uh, to us, but we're also. Um, we're redeemed from it, from Christ. He, um, he is the ultimate mediator. Um, and the Old Testament, the first covenant becomes obsolete. Um, it doesn't go away. Uh, every piece of God's law will be fulfilled through Jesus. Um, but it's obsolete now because of this new covenant that we uh, see here. And ultimately, we have uh, forgiveness of our sins through Jesus, which is um, the last part of our passage here. So I think, you know, as we um, you know, ponder this verse and we talk about the new covenant every week as we take communion, um, it, it's, it's the gospel, right? It's the truth that Jesus is uh, um, our savior, that he um, died for us, for our sins, that, we're, that we receive forgiveness through him. Um, the question that I think we, we really need to ask ourselves every week when we come in here is, have you accepted um, forgiveness, uh, true, truly accepted forgiveness through Christ? And if you haven't, what's, what's standing in your way, I think? Uh, Rebecca and I didn't get to talk beforehand, but she like completely teed <laughs> me up today because um, it's, it's almost like you put yourself on a higher tribunal than God if you say that you can't forgive your, um, th that you can't accept the forgiveness that he gives you. Um, he's, he's already forgiven us through Jesus, so um, you know, what, what is standing in your way from, from getting past that? Um, and uh, secondly, uh, as we we're going through today, I know it's uh, a bit of a mad dash through scripture and um, the the timeline um, is a little crazy. It makes a lot more sense to me because I've been studying it and I'm happy to go through <laughs> in more detail with you after. Um, but uh, what's, what's standing in your way from, from studying the scripture and um, understanding God's word more and teaching others? Because that's ultimately what we're called to do as believers. Um, you know, as iron sharpens iron, we're supposed to disciple each other and... Um, and we're all supposed to be prophets, speakers of God's word. Uh, I could not have imagined eight years ago that I'd be standing um, in front of this group today, but that's, that's the grace of God that we are all given. Uh, we're given different gifts of the spirit, uh, but we, we all have uh, spirit from God to uh, read his word, open it, um, and, uh, and learn with understanding. So that's, again, really the importance of surrounding yourself with a community of believers who um, you can learn from, who will um, sharpen you, teach you, um, and uh, you can then be equipped to teach others as well, as we see in, uh, in 2 Timothy, you know, entrust um, this word to uh, faithful men who will then teach others, who will also um, 
go on to uh, to teach others, like bashing the verse, but you know where I'm going with this. It's, um, you know, it starts with each of us, and we're called to impact uh, those who we're around and, and doing life with. Uh, so uh, it's a bit of a, a shameless plug, again, for small groups. We'll be starting up um, in a few weeks after Labor Day, which um, doesn't seem possible right now with all the heat that we're experiencing, but things will cool off soon. Um, we'll be getting into the fall season, and we'll have uh, several uh, groups meeting, uh, probably at least a group on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday during the week. Um, this is the time to, uh, to come together to study God's word systematically, and uh, I just pray, you know, as individuals too, that uh, we're making our prayer and Bible reading time a priority, and that it's not just, um, you know, oh yeah, like I read, you know, this verse or this chapter, and becomes rope, but it's actually something that you do and, um, you know, actually value it as time spent with the Lord, uh, prayerfully going through scriptures, trying to understand new things. Um, you know, for me, over the past year and a half, it's been this time period of kings and prophets and things that, you know, it just blew my mind before. It had no understanding of it, and now it makes a lot more sense, right? You can't really read Jeremiah straight through. Um, you'll go crazy. <laughs> um, so I encourage uh, each of you to, uh, to think about, um, you know, what your Bible reading plan is, and if you need encouragement or help, uh, Pastor Kevin's right here, Pastor Matt's in the back. Um, you have uh, deacons, other um, believers here who can uh, help you along uh, that journey. So um, I'm going to pray for us, and then Rebecca's going to come up and sing one more song. God, uh, just thank you for uh, your word, for the truth that you've given us, and uh, I just pray that if there's anyone in here who hasn't accepted uh, forgiveness through your son Jesus today, that uh, today would be the day that you transform their heart of stone into a heart of flesh. Uh, I uh, pray that um, these groups that we have starting in the fall would just bring you much glory, that um, they would uh, help us grow in love and truth and understanding of your word, God, and uh, that will ultimately equip us to do your will here in East Boston and wherever you have called um, members of your body to um, in uh, other places in the U.S. and around the world. Uh, I just thank you for um, the gift of this church here. Uh, thank you for um, just what a blessing uh, it has been to our community and, and pray that um, as we uh, kind of come into this, uh, this new era after all the uh, craziness of the last couple of years that um, we will take the time to uh, continue to, to grow closer to you um, so that we can be a blessing to others. In Jesus' name we pray.